May I speak in the name of the Holy Trinity. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Ah, I see we had some have some children here who came for story time amongst the flowers. Did I get that right? So here are a couple of words for you. What God is trying to teach us today is that we treat one another as we want to be treated. And the second part of this is by doing that, we are going to build a nice community of friends amongst one another. And for the grown-ups, you might want to leave now and then you miss the whole sermon, but you got the gist of it. <laughs> so let me start again. Good morning, saints. Good morning. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Amen. Amen. Sermon. So um, welcome today. I'm Father Eric, and it is in the wisdom of the church in our lectionary cycle, Transfiguration Sunday, which I will talk about something else, because that's the prerogative of the preacher. <laughs> but that said, I do want to say a couple of words on the Transfiguration to at least explain what it is, and even more so try to put this in collection of where we are in our church. Transfiguration Sunday is recognized in our Protestant and Catholic heritage in our Orthodox Church. It is recognizing the day that Jesus was on the mountaintop, gone to pray, brought his three closest friends of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And in that praying, they saw that Elijah and Moses had come and spent time with Jesus. In the Jewish cycle of festivals, this is the Festival of the Booths, and quoting or reading from Claudio Carvajales from Union Seminary, his commentary on the Gospel of St. Luke. Quote, we have Jesus at the top of the mountain being transfigured, receiving the visits of, a, of a Moses and Elijah and they are talking about Jesus's departure. They were celebrating the festival of the booths or tabernacles, where people celebrated the protection offered by God during their wanderings in the wilderness. This is from Leviticus in the 23rd chapter. Moses and Elijah have been interpreted as the law and the prophecy now united with the Messiah. When they see this gathering, the disciples wish to build a booth for each so they can stay with them. But Jesus tells them they need to go back to the people. Elijah and Moses disappear into a cloud that overshadows them, and from this cloud appears a voice from God saying who Jesus is, and the disciples are to listen to them. So this is a good message because where the disciples have come up onto the mountaintop with Jesus, and they see this incredible vision of the prophets who have no known burial site. Moses, who delivered the law, who himself, as we heard from in our first lesson, gone to see the face of God and, was trans and himself was transfigured, his face shone so bright he had to cover it with a veil so he wouldn't blind anyone he saw as he delivered the Ten Commandments down from Sinai. 
Elijah, the great prophet of prophets, who at, after calling Elisha to be to follow him, was ascended in the chariots of fire. Those might remember that song from Jerusalem. Um, attended his chariots of fire and has also no known burial site. And of course, we know Jesus himself died and resurrected and ascended also to heaven, has no burial site. These figures remind us, not of the holy, but that God has opened his voice and told all who could listen, the disciples, Peter, John, and James, that they are to listen to him. But even more so, this is something to keep in mind, when they saw this amazing, incredible moment and they're surrounded by the cloud and they see these great figures, instead of staying up on top of the mountain, Jesus says to go down, be transfixed, transfigured, transformed, to go down from the mountain and continue the work. And this is the work that our Bishop, Mark Andrus, has called our diocese to do. This is the work. When I entered into uh, ordained ministry, I felt I was called to do to building beloved community here on earth. Building our beloved community. What is beloved community? Well, it's the church. Even more so, it is the church transformed led by God into being in relationship with each other. Beloved community is something I came, it's been around for a while, but it was the work of Professor Josiah Royce, who at the time was teaching at Harvard. Royce is from an old California family. This was roughly 1890s into the about 19 teens. He was educated at the University of California and also had taught at that other school across that other farm school across the bay. <laughs> yes, Stanford, in case you missed that California, that California Bears joke. Um, but came up with this idea that communities form out of, people form communities out of some common need. And the common need was for common protection or some kind of, or for common work, food, building farms and such. This is why people gather. But out of that gathering of common need, there's a certain shared hope, quote, shared hope, expectation, grace, that there are other communities of similar values that desire good, and that these communities respect the individualness within them, and at the same time, accept the commonality of desired hope, expectation, and grace, grace, united in a higher power, the commonality of grace creates the beloved community. Royce was a pragmatist. Royce believed in God, but distrusted religion. And yet this philosopher sitting in the seat of William James was using the term of grace, which we know is God's love for us that comes unwarranted and yet is cherished by us. God offers God's love to us without asking an opening price of admission. It is for us. And this concept of beloved community 
extended into some work by a group called the Fellowship of Reconciliation. Yes, the Fellowship of Reconciliation. And I bring all this up because in the world of philosophy comes this idea that is the keystone of what Jesus is trying to teach us, that we are formed in communities that care for each other, that build, work, pray, serve amongst one another, and then go out and serve into the wider community. The Fellowship of Reconciliation was formed at the start of World War I, a group of pacifists, many trade, uh, philosophers, trade unionists, who are trying to stop the railroad, or rather the freight train that was barreling down the tracks that was going to cause World War I. For those who remember Barbara Tuckman's August 1914, yeah. um, if you get a chance to read it, it's still one of the great histories of the start of the war, where the assassination of the, of the heir to the Austrian-Hungarian Austrian throne by uh, an illegal group of nationalists, loosely based in Serbia, caused a conflagration worldwide that drew us into a European war in 1917. They wanted to stop it because they believed in the beloved community. They believed that there were more things more connected to us that would keep us from war. Sadly, it didn't happen. But we have an Episcopal connection. The Blessed Paul Moore, Bishop of Utah, starting about 1915, was one of the founders of the Fellowship of Reconciliation and was such a confirmed pacifist that when the United States entered into war, the House of Bishops of the Episcopal Church asked him to resign his post by 1918 for, being, for, for speaking out against the war that we had already entered. And he had continued that work in the years following, up until the end of his years. Reverend Dr. King was a member of the Fellowship of Reconciliation, and he saw this work in his doctoral studies at Boston University of building a community, a beloved community that's Christian work. Recall that Royce was not a Christian. He believed in God, but he did not trust religion. And yet Dr. King saw how this was religious work, influenced by Bayard Rustin, a Quaker, he looked at building beloved community as a way to break through the evils of racism and ethnic hatred and bring people together, not because of hatred, but because of God's grace. And in this work, in our commonality, from Dr. King, we see the face of Christ in every person, transcended by divisions of race and ethnicity, that grace is in every person and that the Christian hope is that community. And he goes on in another, in another one of his sermons or speeches, depending on whose bio you're reading. At the, but the end is reconciliation, the end is redemption, the end is the creation of beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends, it is the love that will bring about heart miracles in the hearts of people. Being transformed. Being transformed. That's what happened on the mountaintop with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. We call it transfiguration because there is a holiness of God present in God, Son of God, Jesus, who is the Christ, that said some, that we are to change. And instead of 
staying on the mountaintop to pray. He said, our job is to lead and to go out amongst the people. The same way that Jesus had turned, turned to the disciples in Mark 12 and told them, go out, go into Samaria, go into the world, preach the good news, heal the sick. All the blessings that you have, go share with everyone else. <clears throat> it's not a bad thing. Yes? <laughs> this question, it is not a bad thing. This, this change, this transformation is what God calls us to be. And doing this on the mountaintop, when we got sent out and he said, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I will please listen to him. This is what God was telling the apostles from Peter, John, Paul, it goes to the 12. From the 12, it goes into the people in the Acts. And the Acts, as they built a Christian community, it went in around the world. Friends, 2,100 years later, we are still following in the way of Jesus. Trans we are still transformed as what happened on the mountaintop. And that's the community God willing we want to be. So, sideline. I've been we've been watching a TV show called The Bear. Yes, it's a little recognition. Um, it is not for it is NC-17 for the language. There may be some spoilers in this, but bear with me because The Bear is about a fellow who comes back to Chicago to take over his family's restaurant which is a dive of a diner of a sub shop that makes really good roast beef sandwiches. But as he goes back and he sees sort of the chaos that runs with it, uh, people are yelling at each other, they're fighting, they're, they sabotage each other, in the, uh, they sabotage each other. Uh, Bear, the, the protagonist himself, is a Michelin starred chef who broke away from the family restaurant, worked in top restaurants, and then came home to run this one when his brother dies. I worked my grandfather's barbecue, one of his barbecues. It ain't easy. That's why we went back to college and sort of got a degree and kind of do this. But it was amazing the community that was around it because you need, everybody needs, has a role and everyone needs to know their place in it. I was fired as a waiter, but it was too, too cheap to ship me back to my father that soon. He's going to wait for, the, for my ticket at the end of three months later. So I split wood. I eventually learned how to cook sauce. I learned how to be a bar bag. I learned all the jobs that was necessary. Um, can I make barbecue? You don't want me cooking in your kitchen, trust me. <laughs> but everyone has a role and for the restaurant to work, everyone needs to, do, needs to support each other in that work. And what Bear does in his family restaurant that starts out with people yelling and screaming at each other, he slowly builds it into the team, into a team that makes the restaurant work better. And one of the things he does is that he calls all the cooks chef. And when they ask him, what is he doing? Is he trying to be snooty? He said, I'm trying, I'm showing you the respect that you have earned by working here. And he builds a community out of this group of people. And later on, as the season goes on, and people start separating for a bit and coming back together, you start realizing what 
there the protagonist, the head chef is doing is he's founding out everyone's particular skill and sending them off to learn something even more about that school, whether it's cooking school, pastry skill, school, or working in a top flight restaurant in Chicago. And man, that is an eating town that almost rivals San Francisco. I'm partial. But if you go to Chicago, there are some incredible restaurants. Turning a guy who everyone thinks is a creep into someone who actually starts to respect the people he serves and himself. This is building a beloved community. This is finding grace in everyone. And this is why Jesus came off the mountaintop. If he didn't come off the mountaintop, he, yes, he would have done what God called him to do. But he was not going to stay there to pray for the change of the earth. He was going to come down and be with all of us and teach us that. And this is what I hope for us. This is what I hope for us, that we all get to be part of the beloved community. Not only that, that when we come together as a beloved community, we can form with other people and continue planting beloved community wherever we go. And that's our charge for us, that we come off the mountaintop, that we are transformed by our own encounters with God to become the beloved community wherever we go. Maybe it's making roast beef sandwiches. Maybe it's reading in the garden. Maybe it's the continued work of COS Cares, the continued work of this church in the community. I think of all the people that are supported by our benefits who are getting tires, rent help, Safeway cards for food, all this work. Some of us at the 8 o'clock met a gentleman who's restarting, giving away, uh, raising money to give away 500 turkeys in South Marin to deserving families at, uh, at Thanksgiving. This is building beloved community. So I recognize this is probably my last sermon because you're going to hear from uh, my friends and colleagues who run Great Mission, who themselves are building beloved community, reaching out to, foster, to the foster youth of the Bay Area. You'll hear their story, you'll hear their witness. And be, part, be inspired by them who saw a vision and came here to implant that vision of being with the foster youth of the Bay Area to help them be part of the beloved community. So let us go forward. Let's not just hide in the church, but be charged up as we come out of the church to continue doing God's work Sunday into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and share God's love, share that grace, which is almost undeserving, but always present, that God's love is with us to be with everyone, everyone else we know. May God love you, God bless you, and God keep you. In the name of the one holy and unbounded Trinity, let the church say, Amen. Amen. Amen.